When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Isaac here, Civil Engineering Academy. Excited to be with you again today on another fun podcast episode. Today, I bring an awesome guest, Richard Race. He is a structural engineer. He's been doing that for many years. And he also runs a YouTube channel that you might have heard of. And if you haven't, you should go check it out called Castava. And he really dedicates a lot of his material to structural engineering. Um, you can study along with him as he prepares for SE exams or whatnot. And he really has a fun vibe on his channel that I, I really get along with. So, uh, definitely go check that out. But, uh, so I bring him on, we talk a lot about, uh, college experiences that he had in college, talking about a bachelor's versus a master's degree, uh, and maybe where you're at in that journey and whether that's worth it to you to, to pursue, uh, we also talked about the value of, of getting a PE and SE uh, work experience and uh, just in general, what you should do as you start your career. Uh, lots of little details in here. I found it was a very fascinating, fun episode and fun conversation with Rich. Uh, and uh, I do think you'll enjoy his material as well as his YouTube channel. So definitely go check it out if you get the chance to. So anyway, thanks for being here. I'm excited to share this one with you. And it's coming up right after this. All right, we are live. Rich, what's going on? Thanks for being on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, this is awesome. So um, we're kind of in the same space doing some like YouTube stuff and some videos. And I wanted to connect with you and kind of pick your brain, get your own journey into civil engineering and and kind of see where you're at now. So I thought it'd be fun to bring you on and talk about that. So um well, when we, as we get started, you know, I'll obviously read some sort of introduction to this episode, but what, um, what influenced you to become a civil engineer? Why did we go that route? Yeah, I, this one might seem kind of bland and easy, um, mm-hmm. I'm, but I actually think I'm very fortunate that I always knew what I wanted to do. Um, nice. And when I was a kid, I don't have it in front of me. Um, there's a picture behind me that actually my parents gave me after I was done with uh, college and got my engineering degree. And it's a picture of blocks and they're all stacked up really high. And um, the the quick story went that before I could even really stand, I could kind of lean on stuff. Um, when I was really little, my parents had all these blocks scattered about and then both of them left the room, not thinking about anything and then came back and it was all stacked up in these towers and everything. And they were blown away because they thought each other had like helped me make it. But um, it turned out that I just kind of put this together. I thought building up with blocks was more important than learning how to walk. And uh, so that kind of was the start of my journey of always being fascinated with how things are put together. Um, I know you probably hear that a lot. Oh, that's uh, everyone's a little different. Um, but Did the they only other thing you, I'd say is that I I'm, grew up in the middle of nowhere, like more cows than people, and uh, which was about two and a half hours outside of Boston, Massachusetts. But any time that I was able to 
go to Boston for a field trip or whatever, which was rare, uh, I was always in awe of the skyscrapers um, or bridges. It just, I was never looking like ahead of me. My head was always tilted up looking at them, just thinking how they defied you know, gravity. How could they be that tall? How do they not fall over? Um, so I've, I've always just had this kind of fascination with the built environment. And I always knew, I don't know what the title is or who does that or who makes those, but I want to be involved somehow. Um, I want in there. Yeah. <laughs> so did your parents encourage you at all? I mean, was that a topic of conversation at some point in your, in your life, or did you just kind of go to college and you knew what you wanted to do? At, yeah, they, they had it easy again. They, Oh man. I just always knew. Uh, I always, I gravitated towards mathematics and science. Um, I enjoyed that most. Um, I had a little bit of a knack for it, but that doesn't mean that I was good at it by any means. I sure. had my fair share of failed tests throughout high school and college and everything like that. But yeah, they, they, we never had to have a conversation as to what I was going to do. Um, they always just gave me free reign and said, you can do whatever you want. And That's I knew awesome. it was engineering. <laughs> and did you enjoy your college experience? I did. I I loved it. It's weird because I had all my top schools. I think there's anyone that's listening to this that's in that college searching phase. Um, I know for me, I had my top picks and like top five. And I was excited about all of them. And I thought if I could just get into one, you know, that would be great. I'd be so happy. And I didn't get into any of them. And I was like devastated. <laughs> uh, that was like the the thing at that time in my life, you know, the most important thing. And um, ended up going to the University of Massachusetts, which was local to me. It was only about 45 minutes from my house. I kind of grew up around it. And it was a state school. And, um, you know, at that time, the way that I thought, I was like, oh, you know, this school's not great. Yeah, I'm, I, I wanted to travel somewhere different and um, experience you know, something else. Yeah, yeah. And on a, I didn't even really apply. That was the one thing my parents were like, basically mandated me to at least put in an application just for whatever to the engineering uh, program. And I got in and I was like, whatever, I don't really care. You know, I'll, I'll figure something out somewhere else. And one day I had a gut reaction that said, I'm, I want to go to UMass is what it's university of Massachusetts. And so I went and to this day, I tell everyone as much as I didn't want to go and then made it, split second decision to go best decision of my life wow um, that's great i enjoyed every second of every day when i was there it was a campus with you know thirty thousand plus undergrads i thought i wanted like a five thousand person campus something more you know close-knit i loved the feeling of being in a you know a small city um meeting all sorts of different people and the amount of possibilities that you could go and study at a campus of that size was awesome. I was exposed to so much. There were so many activities and I could go on and on, but it just, I was, I was fortunate that it turned out that way that I would never redo it some way different. I think it's surprising. Sometimes people do, you know, sometimes people do like elsewhere to go to college and they find out stuff that's in their own backyard. That's probably pretty good. Uh, you know, so sometimes it doesn't, you don't need to look too far away to find a good program. 
Um, so tell me about uh, your experience. So you you got a bachelor's degree. Has there been any interest to get a master's degree? Um, diving further into your field of engineering, or what's your thoughts on on that? Yeah. So for my it? journey, I got my bachelor's degree um, in civil engineering, four years, kind of the typical. And I again knew that I wanted to focus in structural engineering, which is that. I don't believe this to be true, but it is technically a subset of civil engineering. And so I, as you get closer to the end of your degree, you can pick and choose which path you want to go down and focus there with more classes. And so I, I loaded up late in my career on structural classes and so much so that I had, a, uh, I was in master's classes at that time, kind of at my senior year, talked with my professors and they were like, hey, you know, at this point, you could knock out a master's in like a year, if that. Um, so I decided to go down that path and I did stay for that additional time. Um, I wrote a thesis uh, alongside coursework and I ended up knocking out my master's in about a year and a half. Um, stayed wow. in, cause I lived uh, in a house with all my engineering buddies close to campus. So got to stay there over summer, took more classes, did more research and just, Zipped it through out. it like a flash, but I ended up uh, leaving UMass with a bachelor's in civil and then a master's in structural mechanics. That's great. Do you would you recommend to other engineers to get that master's degree to to knock it out, or is any any thoughts to waiting, maybe having your employer pay for it down the road? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, so that one I think is a. I'll try to unpack that. I think that's a couple of really good questions. Uh, one, I think that if finance is a struggle um, or that you're cautious about just taking on student loans or don't have maybe um, some scholarships or anything, that going through an employer, because many of them now do promote paying for you to obtain a master's, mm -hmm. I think that's a really, really great route. And I'd highly suggest it if that's kind of the position that you're in. Um, in tandem with that, I have some coworkers who are incredibly smart. Like they are so sharp as engineers and what they did, and they're roughly my age. And what they did was actually go to a community college and knock out all of the prerequisites for the civil engineering, um, uh, degree, and then went to a university to, to get the rest of the, the focus. And that saved a tremendous amount of money that way too, which I think in hindsight is really, really smart because um, loans, student loans are a real thing and they are, they are easy to obtain. Um, and when you're that age, you don't really think about it. You think about wanting to go get the education first, but it's something to consider um, and keep track of. Yeah. So that's kind of that little finance part uh, for the, whether you should get a master's or not, I'm split on this. I was able to stay and I, again, I was fortunate that I worked with a professor and got financing through them, um, through some of the research that they were doing. So mine was paid for, so I didn't have to worry about additional finance. So that was a big green, you know, thumbs up to, for myself to say, okay, I can dive in and let's uh, go knock this thing out. Um, but I will say that in, comparison to what you learn 
in the professional setting. So if you were to leave with your bachelor's and do that, if I did that year and a half working for someone or with someone in a company, do I think that I would have learned more on how the professional side of things worked um, and gained more experience than that year and a half in my master's? I think, yes, I am. I believe that professional experience trumps educational experience to, to a degree. Um, you need to learn your fundamentals, obviously, but sure. that's kind of where I'm at now. But the last thing is that the master's, in comparison to my bachelor's, within that year and a half, the classes that I took, I learned so much more about structural engineering within that small number of classes than I did in my bachelor's degree combined. So wow. there's a lot that a lot I did value. learn and take with me in that small period of time. That's interesting to talk about because my journey was very different. I graduated with the bachelor's. I went out and got the job, you know, to to earn money. In my mind, I was similar to what you were talking about, thinking, you know, what's the what's the value of me getting a job right now? And what's the how long would it take for me to pay that back? You know, if I stayed in school for a year or two to get my master's. So I made the decision to to go work right after my bachelor's and later I did eventually get a master's, but it, it ended up being much later. And so that's kind of the downfall is that if you do, uh, you know, exit the schooling system, it is harder to get back into it a little bit because you get a taste of not being at school again. And sometimes it's hard to get back into that study mode. So uh, good points all around. I really enjoyed hearing that uh, from your perspective. Um, what do you do now? Where are you working? Um, you mentioned you're a structural engineer now and, uh, what, what's going on today? Yeah. So, um, I work for a company, um, it's a, uh, called McKenzie and they are a multidisciplinary firm. Um, so I started my career in a multidisciplinary firm, which is you have architects within the company, you have engineers, you have you may have some civil engineers, um, you may have landscape architects, interior design, you know, whatever blend, you have a bunch of those design professionals all under one roof working collaboratively together. Um, so that's the setting that I'm in nice. now as a, in the structural engineering department. Um, and then in contrast, uh, you have firms that are like an engineering consulting firm, which I was at previously for several years where it's under one roof, it's just structural engineers. And then anytime they collaborate to do work, it's with outside firms. It's with a, another firm that's just architects or just civil engineers. And they come together company to company and work collaboratively. So hmm. that's kind of the difference. But yeah, that's so doing structural engineering work in a, I guess you call it AE firm. And um, do you, are you, is your goal to get an SE? Is that on the radar uh, or... Do you feel like that's required where you're at or what's, what's the story there? It is. So being in the Pacific Northwest people or if I back up it, I think that everyone thinks down in California, that's kind of where having an SE is a big deal. You have the earthquakes, you know, seismic design, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And, um, but more and more so uh, SEs are required to actually stamp um, and design structures of certain um, importance and of certain heights and of certain sizes. 
Um, and I, I don't know if it's all throughout the country. I don't know if it's a state by state cases as to what you are and are not allowed to design as a PE only, mm-hmm. but an SE for a structural engineer um, that that gives you that actual structural engineering title rather than a professional engineering title. And that opens the door for everything. And that's kind of the top of your licensing as a structural engineer. And I am um, on the pursuit to obtain one. Um, I'm slowly studying here and there as I do, honestly, through my YouTube channel. I tell people just as much the information I'm providing them to help them study is helping me equally as I study because I have to explain it and digest it and try to explain it more simply. And if I can't do that, it means I don't know it well enough. So I like um, it. That's kind of the, the end goal is that I'd like my SE. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. That, that one's definitely a doozy to get, but uh, definitely a good one. Uh, my brother is an SE. And so I kind of ping him, bug him when I run into structural stuff, I have questions on myself. So it's definitely a good one to get. So I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, one of the things you mentioned on your uh, LinkedIn profile is about lean design. How how are you implementing lean design? And maybe explain a little about, about what that is. Yeah, the, the way that I think about lean design and the way, and I may be defining it incorrectly. I'm not going to That's lie. okay. I'm not perfect at all, but. Hey, neither, <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> it's more of trying to create when I manage a project um, a more lean or I guess you could say like a holistic approach to how I enjoy buildings more so than bridges. Um, So let's use a building as an example. It's not just the engineer who makes this building. It's, It's a dozen or more different trades and designers that come together to make everything. You have you have sprinklers, you have MEP, you have electrical, you have the architect making it look great and functional and ADA, the engineers making it stand up. Um, and all of that comes together to create one building, one finished product. But I think where we can go wrong and kind of brute force a project is when everyone just kind of tunnel visions their own specific trade or portion of that building to say, I only need to do this to get my job done and then I'm done. But where that can lead us is not understanding how it impacts others because this building is all intertwined and it's not, it's not lined up in a row of there's the structural portion, there's the architect and there's the MEP. It's, it's constant phases that we have to walk hand in hand together to create uh, a cohesive building. And that's not always how it's designed. Um, Have you gone through that process before? I've gone through that a little bit actually at my workplace called the Kaizen method, where what we did is we defined like every single role of a process, like laid it all out. And that's like the first step, right? Finding out everything, what everybody does and how the project's tied together. And then once you do that, you can kind of pick apart and see where you can get more efficient. Like, why are we doing this this way? Why does it have to go through that guy to be reviewed? You know, why can't we just do it this way? Stuff like that. Um, have, have you had to go through any of that or is it just kind of been an interest to do lean? I would stuff love in the industry? to do, I have not done that personally, but that sounds right in line with the process that I'd like or something I'd like to try out. And there you go with the team. Um, it's where I've kind of taken my first baby steps with it is trying to keep more open communication 
up front and early with other trades that can impact the structure and as well vice versa where the structure can impact them you know i think the common thing is always we there's a steel beam that's of high importance and all of a sudden somebody wants to put 10 holes through it you know and it it's after permit and it's in the field and you know time is of the essence and we're losing money by the day and we got to figure it out and it's like that's always kind of the classic yeah well um yeah, that'd be fun to implement. We'll see if you can get some managers on board to, to try Yeah, that. I'll have to look into that. Or you have to send me a, a link or something. <laughs> okay. I'll take a look at the process. That sounds great. Um, what's been a, a favorite project so far that you've personally worked on? Has there been one that stands out? I, I've worked on a variety. Um, one that stands out. It's one that unfortunately hasn't come to fruition yet, um, but I got to do some kind of groundbreaking early design concept work, um, which was a revitalization of this abandoned industrial zone that surrounds uh, Willamette Falls here in, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And Willamette Falls is actually... It, so it's it's a waterfall, um, but weirdly enough, by by volume of water that passes over the falls, it's like the second largest waterfall in the continental really? U.S. Yeah, which it's not it's size pretty... or anything, but just the the sheer volume of water that comes over this thing puts it way up there. And so over the years, um, you know, electrical companies, dams have been built and to harness its power throughout the past like 150 years since it's been settled from the Oregon Trail, but uh, it's just built up on these catacombs upon catacombs of industrial sites that once one industry, you know, phased out of business over several or dozens of years, um, a new industry came in that was popular, but they just built like a platform on top of the old structure and just (laughs) built up instead Mm -hmm. of like repurposing. And so it's just a maze and a labyrinth of mega structures that are built right into the the bedrock that's exposed along these falls. And the project that I was involved with was repurposing and allowing access back to the falls for the public because it, this now it's abandoned and it's closed off and it's dangerous and um but the the U.S. government, in conjunction with local jurisdictions and also private investments, want to revitalize and open this place back up so that everyone can enjoy it in some form or another. And it's such a prized piece of land, but has so many issues that it opened up this gateway of endless possibilities of concepts. And so I was involved with going out and mapping this entire site, helping construct it in Revit and then giving um, kind of schematic design of structural implications of if you want to do that design or if you want to do this design, this is what it would take relative cost and help evolve the project that way. But currently a good one. Yeah. And some of the the renderings um, working with um, actually uh, a very famous world renowned uh, architecture firm that I don't know if I can say it, so I'm not going to, but yeah, look them up. that's fine. Uh, if you look up like <laughs> top architecture, like crazy things in the world, they'll probably pop up and you'll get an understanding of who they Sweet. are. But that well, was probably cool. That. That's a good one. Um, 
I want to switch gears a little bit. So let's talk about your YouTube channel and the motivation behind that. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Why, why did you start your YouTube channel? What is it? What is it? What's it about? Uh, so Kesteva is, is the channel, um, shameless plug, go check it out, you know, smash the like button, do all those things that appease the, the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> no, you know, if you're interested in structural engineering and learning more about it, that's kind of the vibe of my channel, trying to help guide young engineers coming into the profession or still learning in school, how to maybe better themselves through my own faults and my own experiences, um, to date. And, I like it. uh, yeah, it started of just there's there was no like epiphany or anything that was like I woke up and was like I need to do this. It COVID hit, you know, we were confined to our houses and uh was working now that meant, you know, it was like you get out of bed, you move this way, you're all of a sudden you're on your computer for ten hours and then you slide back over, you eat some food, and then you go to sleep. Like it <laughs> we were all confined and it stunk. Um I didn't have an office. We converted this. I didn't even have this room back then. Nice. And I wanted to try something new um, out of my comfort zone. And so I wanted to, I decided, you know what? I'm going to start a YouTube channel because I, I want to see this whole social media thing. I, I'd never been a part of it or I'd never created anything on any real social media platform. I just scrolled through them. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my shot at this. And that's really all it was. And it started with me thinking, like, what is something, what's an unlimited source of content that just will be never ending? And how can it also help me improve myself in my career um, in tandem? And so obviously I was like, you know what, why not do structural engineering? And maybe I'll learn a little bit as I do this. Oh, so that's kind how of how did you settle on the name? Oh, man, this took me so freaking long. <laughs> I it, just curious. Just, I I just did a ton of research um, over and over. I, I had a laundry list of names, and you know what? I, it's funny because what I did was like spent a week saying it to myself, to my friends, to be like, "Oh, is this going to catch on? Is this something that I enjoy saying instead of it driving me nuts?" And it went on for forever, but it settled on. Kesteva because it means sustainable in Finnish. And I ultimately really enjoy um, the structural approach of kind of the Scandinavian design. Mm -hmm. um, really, they're they're kind of some of the pioneers of mass timber and sustainable design and building structures in kind of some of the harshest environments and really trying to hold true to that green building cycle and living buildings and everything in between like that. So that's what I personally enjoy that type of um, commitment to the structures that we build. I haven't fortunately worked on really anything like that, but I hope one day that I can pivot and work on things like that. And I wanted to dedicate this channel to as it evolves, get more into those concepts over time. I love it. I think it's a, a good channel name. It's catchy. I like <laughs> saying it. Um, that's awesome. So uh, I've enjoyed watching your content. You give a ton of good tips. And really, that's kind of how I, I connected with you. So that's, that's, uh, if you haven't checked it out, definitely go check it out. Um, 
Can you give us some tips and tools? Most of the audience that I speak to uh, is either preparing for exams or maybe they're done with the exams, but they want to help others. Uh, what are some tips that you might have or what's your thoughts on the exams that went from paper-based to computer-based? Any tips around that? I am, I've given a little bit of info as to the research I've done transitioning to computer-based, but I don't think anyone's going to love my answer where truthfully, it's, it's just the beginning. They're just rolling these out. And I haven't heard from anyone right now of like kind of how it went or how it broke down or, yeah. um, you know, I'm wondering myself if I just, <laughs> if I just jump in and go take one one day, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> well, the I, SE is headed that way eventually. So I know I'm keeping my eye on that. And that might be the, uh, the indicator for me to like, get my button gear and get it on paper personally. Um, like but it. One thing that I do try to tell people and on my channel repeatedly is to, when you're studying, make sure that you're always telling yourself that you're doing it for you. It's not that you're trying, you're forcing yourself to have to try to get right answers to things. And it's this terrible process that you're going through and I have to study and I have to do this. If you I used to think like that and I used to be a terrible test taker. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until really I actually failed my FE exam the first time, but then all of a sudden switched kind of my mindset studying for it the second time to say, Hey, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like whether you succeed or you don't, I'm not sitting here because anyone's forcing me to sit here. I want to know this stuff. I want to be a better engineer. I want to learn more. I want to be more practical. And so everything that I did from that point forward to study was kind of more so me thinking, I get to study. I get to do this. Oh, what am I going to learn today that I didn't know yesterday? And it just that little bit helped me take a breath and not, you know, clam up and say, oh, every time I got a wrong answer, it meant that I was dumb or it meant that you know I, I wasn't going to pass the exam it just it allowed me just to focus to say oh that's cool I didn't know that cool like and it that's great that helped me digest more and helped me retain more and helped me then ultimately I think better prepare myself I think that's perfect advice I I have known of people that um they almost like hate the NCES because they've taken the exam so many times and they've just channeled this real negative energy that it, it just all goes into, well, you know, they hate the process. They know they're trying to screw them over. They're asking trick questions and on and on and on instead of doing what you just mentioned and taking that approach where it's like, I want to better myself. Why, you know, why am I missing this? There's something I don't know here. And, and just keep pushing forward and keep trying it again. So I'm also a repeat taker uh, of the FD exam. Uh, when I took it, uh, you know, it was probably way back before you, but they gave it out in a thick paper copy and you could actually change which exam you wanted on the fly. So it's not like this pre-registration and all this stuff. I could, you could go in there and say, I wanted to do general general uh, or I wanted to do general civil or something like that. You could flip that on the fly as you're sitting oh, there. Oh, wow. You to. 
place. So you could almost like day. thumb through the book and be like, oh crap, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> was this Effie or, or PE? That was for the Effie when I oh, took it FE. and it was oh, paper based. Interesting. Back when it was paper based. So, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. I guess I'm getting older now. It just happens to people. It's weird. <laughs> uh, well, cool. That's great advice. Um, is there uh, any piece of advice you would have for younger engineers just starting their career who want to advance their careers? Any, any piece of advice around that? Um, I'd say really kind of be a sponge. I mean, get involved with more conversations and ask ask a ton of questions. That's probably such a cliche one, but here's kind of my reasoning behind it. So ask a ton of questions to the point of being like annoying. Like that's when you know you're asking enough questions. And what my old principal told me who taught me a lot, he's like, look, you don't have to, if you're in a good company, this will be how it is. Um, People will always take time to answer your questions because they know no matter how busy they are, or you know, what they're involved with, they need to make time to answer your questions, no matter how many there are, because they were also in that position at one point. And it's, if they are good coworkers and engineers, they know it's their responsibility now to give that back all that time that they took of some other engineer in the past and bugged them. And, you know, it's now their turn to say, okay, I need to put down what I'm doing and really answer these questions to help, to help the next engineer along the way. So just ask a ton. Don't think you're annoying people or don't think you're, you know, causing a problem. It's actually, now that I manage an engineer, it's, that's what I hope <laughs> to, to see. When, when you have someone new starting off and they're not asking any questions and you're like, man, I hope they know what they're, they're doing because most of the time, um, you don't know enough, at least professionally, how the how the process works. Even if you nailed school and you're 4.0, there's just there's right. different ways to do things. And even company to company, there's different processes. So always ask. Good advice. Always Good ask. advice. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Rich. What's the best way for our audience to connect with you? Yeah, is there a good good way to connect with you? Um, yeah, I mean, if you go to my YouTube page, you'll see I, I have links in my description of uh, a business email that you can contact me directly and we can talk or via LinkedIn. I have that link there. Um, Sweet. Or, you know, I'm starting to do a little more live um, studying and other, you know, Q&A sessions uh, on YouTube. So maybe you catch me there sometime when I'm live and we can we can talk live. Love it. Okay. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being a guest on the show. Really do appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye.